0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: And we're back with another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. I'm excited to be joined today by Matthias raolfi from Tent. We're going to be talking about embedded insurance today. Um, we're going to hear about his journey as an entrepreneur and how their business can help um, other companies. Um, basic, sounds like resell insurance and sell insurance um, products built into their service offerings. I think it's pretty cool. And before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullSkill.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullSkill can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit FullSkill.io to learn more. Mateus, how are you doing today?
0: Hi, Matt. I'm doing great. How are you?
1: So I, I thought it was interesting that, that I guess we both kind of have the same name, but from different languages. So I'm, I'm Matthew, and you're, you're Matthew in Portuguese, right?
0: <laughs> that is right. People, when they typically see my name, they, they get a bit you know, confused and uncertain how to pronounce and find it different. But it's, it's as simple as it is Matthews, but it's in Portuguese. So it's kind of very, very mainstream, actually
1: and i'm and i've always known I'm Mateo in spanish i think so but i'll i'll answer to whatever whatever people call me but yes, uh wel- same here. <laughs> so w- welcome to the show you're you're actually from san francisco right
0: yeah i'm uh, originally from brazil calling from san francisco
1: yes all right well so tell us a little more about your background and what led you to to you know be one of the founders and and ceo of of tent
0: yeah, so my background is, as I mentioned, I'm born and raised in, in Brazil, um, in a city outside Sao Paulo, and then I spent most of my the early professional career in, in college in Sao Paulo, was a consultant. But I knew I always wanted to start my own business. Um, and then I was deciding what to do next, and um, it made sense for me to come to business school or to, to go to business school and come to the U.S. for it. So I ended up uh, getting to uh, Harvard Business School, and I saw that as my kind of gateway to the United States and to Silicon Valley more, more broadly. So I wanted to start a global company in the tech space, and then uh, like HBS was was a way to allow me to get connections and to end up here in the San Francisco area, which is what I did. So after graduation, I was one of the early employees in a company called Turo. Uh, at the time, back in 2014, it was you recall, really right? it was a series A company with about you know, 15 to 20 uh, employees, uh, so very early in their journey. And I wasn't fortunate enough to be with the company for four years. And by the time I left, it was already a very successful business with over 400 people um, at the time. And that's where I met my co-founder, Jerome. Uh, so Jerome was also an early employee. He joined a little bit earlier than me. And he was running all, all the data uh and, and engineer data engineering of uh, of the company and we end up both of us spending you know eighty percent of our time in insurance uh, he was building models and doing kind of fancy data things uh, around insurance and I was launching the business in different countries um, and I spent eighty percent of my time kind of sourcing insurance and every time I wanted to be in a different uh, different country and that was the Uh, origin story um, uh, of 10. So I I went from um, being in Brazil to full circle being here in the Bay Area um, running uh, my own tech startup.
1: So for those who aren't familiar, Turo is the company that allows somebody like me to rent my sports car for the weekend to somebody else that wants to rent my car, right? It's like a car sharing program.
0: It is, it is absolutely. So a easy way to think about it is an Airbnb for cars, right? It's the idea that you can share your cars with others, but you can also rent cars from any individual. Uh, now in many different countries. So the time there was back two thousand and fourteen, the sharing economy wasn't as big and mainstream as today. Even companies like Airbnb and Uber were relatively small startups. Um, at that at that point. So it was very interesting to see the evolution, not only at Turo as a company, but the sharing economy uh, more broadly.
1: Well, so what I love about your story, and a lot of entrepreneurs go through this, right? They work in a specific business, specific industry, and they find pain points. And then they decide to go out and start their own company to solve those pain points, right? And for you, that pain point was seeing how difficult it was to find insurance for this type of car rent, you know, car sharing service, and then trying to find it in all these different countries, right? I mean, is, is that a fair statement?
0: It is a fair statement. So you, you're absolutely right that the we've suffered the pain point both my co-founder and I, and um, so we what tint was the product that we wish existed when we were working uh, at Turo, and I do agree that that's a that's a that's a very good sign that the entrepreneurs and founders are into something because it means that they spent a lot of time thinking about the problem they suffered they already had to find some solutions themselves to uh, execute uh, in, in what they're trying to do so there's a very there's a higher chance that they can actually empathize with the customer and especially in the early days when there's not a lot of Data, not a lot of signal that you have to be based about lot in intuition and any any knowledge. That now that that tends to be a high a good signal of uh, or a group, good signal for for startups.
1: Yeah, I worked at a one of the first jobs I ever had was was at a uh, a company that resold concert and sport sporting event tickets. It was a company called Ticket Solutions, and mm-hmm. um, one of the things that that they did is they they sent hundreds of FedEx and u p s packages a day, and they noticed that like dozens of them a day would be delivered late or whatever, and they should get refunds mm-hmm. for all of them and actually, the guy who who owned it you know recognized that problem, and then we built some software to audit all the labels to get refunds and then he eventually spun that out and it became a huge company was one of the number one companies in the industry to audit shipping labels and you know i always love those those stories where you know, as a byproduct of one business, you you find another problem. And, and that's why we talk a lot about on as being an entrepreneur is pivoting is sometimes is working on a problem, you you figure out that there's there's actually a different problem that maybe needs to be solved. So I always love that story. And so from from your guys's start for tent, you know, what was the original problem you were trying to solve? Was was it had to do with car insurance? Or, or was it a more specific thing that you were, or more broad thing that you were trying to solve?
0: Yeah. So for, for Tint, we were trying to solve the, the problem that, uh, or was it still the same vision, which is you now helping companies like Turo to create and launch and succeed, uh, in, like, um, in launching their, uh, embedded insurance products, right? Which means that like, insurance and protection products. They are a feature of their car business. Uh, so if you think about in the Turo example, Whenever you want to rent a car, so suppose you're coming to, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm traveling, I'm going to rent somebody else's Porsche 911. Uh, I'm offered in the checkout an option for uh, an additional uh, value to protect, uh, protect myself against any damage that may happen to this car, right? And so Turo can give you different packages um, and making the happen. So like very similar to ca- how car rental companies do. But obviously, Tudo does in a, in a much better way, less pushy, with a fair pricing that is not just to the risks. But but the idea is that like, you know, we, um, we had the vision from the beginning that we want to support more companies to do exactly that and not have as much of a painful journey as we had when we were trying to do um, it ourselves. So we had the vision, we had the big picture, but obviously, we are now four and a half years down the road, and we haven't built the full journey yet. It's a very big and, and ambitious journey. So what we did is, like at the beginning, we we try to focus more on problems we knew were Turo, more focus on analytics, more focus on kind of the data aspects of this problem. And over time, we started to build more and more of the of the uh, of the blocks, right? The building blocks that are required to eventually be able to power any tech company in any space to create their own embedded insurance
1: products. So today, do you focus on specific industries, like specific verticals, specific kinds of things?
0: Our platform is horizontal in a way that it can support any vertical. So today we have customers in over 10 different verticals from um, crypto deposits to uh, shipping to, to car, car, uh, car sharing. But we do have a we have a special focus today in shipping. So all use cases that relate to shipping goods uh, and, uh like in country, mostly through trucking. Um we and we also have a good big focus in vacation rental. So all the use cases around sharing your property uh for uh, like in Airbnb or verbals or those platforms, that's another use case that has, has uh gotten big for us. And our customers, typically, they are tech platforms, they are venture-backed um, startups from, we see, you know, starting in Series A, B, all the way to some uh, kind of public um, companies. And, um, and what they all share in common is that they can see ways that insurance or protection more broadly can help their customers, now can, can remove some intrinsic risk of their core business so their customers can trust them more. And convert convert better, right? So, the example of Turo, imagine there was no insurance. <laughs> First, right. the person, on, uh, like the, the host, will never uh, trust like some stranger with a Porsche 911. Right. Second, even for the renter, you are now driving like a very expensive car that if something outside your control happens, you are suddenly um, like liable for a big financial loss. So, there's obviously there's an example where insurance make things work. But we can see the same pattern in different uh, types of business
1: so is the the key to your guys' platform dynamically figuring out what those insurance rates are, so it's so it's not like oh, you're renting a car that's worth forty thousand dollars and the rate is always you know a hundred dollars a day or whatever i mean is is the key to what you guys do being much more dynamic and how you figure out what those rates should be?
0: Yeah, so one the the big transformation that is that is happening, right? So I think one thing I learned I learned about startups is that your chance of success increases um, exponentially when you uh, connect yourself to a big trend, right? There's something big happening, and then you are just kind of part of this 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 movement or, or this phenomenon. And in, in our case, the big trend or the big trend behind embedded insurance and embedded finance more broadly is this idea that all those tech platforms are generating so much data uh, about their customers. How, again, going back to the tour example, how uh, people use cars, are they the first time users, age, like like what kind of car, many different facts. So platforms are creating this trove of data that a traditional insurance company doesn't have, uh, and they own the customer, right? So they have already paid to acquire the customer. The customer is already using the core business of, of, of that company. So in cre- like offering insurance is an add-on revenue that comes virtually no acquisition cost, right? So when you comb- combine those two things, the availability of data, plus the customers already being there, it enables these companies to, to your point, create a product that is personalized. It's much more relevant to their audience that not only has a higher conversion as an insurance product, but it kind of catalyzes the core business, right? So Turo converts better, like, is, uh, or if you think about the shipping, right? So you're buying a sneaker and a sneaker costs $2,000. Well, ideally, you have some protection that if something goes wrong, if the item is damaged, you're going to get paid to the full value uh, of, the, of the merchandise. And I think we can, again, see that happening all over. Um, many kind of different industries use case think about how Tesla is creating their own insurance. Apple Care is a form of insurance. You now Amazon is getting into insurance. So like if you look around and if you fast forward ten years, the brands you love are going to be the ones providing you a lot of the insurance protections because most customers don't necessarily want to think about insurance, and if that protection can come with the things they love, that is a better much better user experience than if you have to download an app and think about it and have to go purchase it separately
1: so when somebody uses your your platform to provide these insurance offers so like say shipping you know i, I sell shoes or whatever and i'm, I'm like as you said mm-hmm. uh, who who is actually the underwriter if those shoes get lost and it's a 2000 dollar claim is it still the business owner that Somehow, it becomes liable, or your guys's platform, or is there still a third party and you know insurer that that carries that? Or
0: yeah, in, in our platform, our customers can choose how much of the risk they want to take. So if they tell us that no, I don't want to take any risks, then we will find Jumpite um, underwriters. So our platform works as a, as a marketplace. So we have underwriters, and then they we will match the best underwriter with the the risk that that you are offering as as a platform. But we see that our customers, some of them, uh, they decide to either take all the risk or to take some part of the risk. Because the reality is that after, again, going back to the data element, after a year, two, three years in business, the data that those companies generate, it's already very predictive of the risk. So if they do it well, if they monetize it well, they can create programs that are fairly profitable, right? So some of our customers are like, "Yeah, I'm doing all the work. Why would I transfer this risk?" But no, it depends on the strategy of each each company. But our platform is designed to give them the option to choose how much of the risk they
1: want to take. But in your company is never the underwriter. You you guys you guys never have to carry that risk.
0: We are not yeah we are we see ourselves as as the as the platform and the the orchestrator of like you know making sure that things are working, so we see ourselves more like stripe that uh than uh, a bank or an insurance company
1: so I would imagine the hardest part of this is trying to match some of the weird things that people want insured to these underwriters right like how do you how do you how do you convince an underwriter you know how much how much how much uh, risk there is and what what the price should be for like somebody borrowing a Porsche, right? Like that, that seems like a kind of a hard thing to do until you've got a lot of data, like you said.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And this is, we spend countless hours uh, working on this. And sometimes it's very hard. Sometimes it's like, it's more obvious, but, but your point, the, the answer will come, um, from the data, right? So either the underwriters have some data, some some uh, similar use cases that they can try to use, or in many ways is the platform that can that has to take the the, uh, the leap of faith based on what they understand about the customers, the data they, they currently have. And then because the, key, the this uncertainty you're talking about is especially true in the beginning. But after a few months that you're doing, right. you have enough data to say, oh, this is price too high, too low, how is the conversion going? And again, we build our platform with tools, with, with that in mind, with that uh, kind of change and experimentation in mind, so that our customers and the underwriters they can have the tools to make those adjustments uh, when the time comes. Like what we learn is like we want to have both sides right, of this platform happy. Uh, because if one side is making money, the other isn't, it's obviously not a sustainable relationship. So but if it goes back to to the data.
1: So do you guys also get in do you guys also have customers that are in e-commerce or retail like when I go to Best Buy or Target and they try and get me to buy a protection plan for $3 for a toaster like do you guys' platform do that kind of stuff too or is or is that like something that's been around for so long that it's kind of more of a commodity or something Then you guys don't do that part of it,
0: it That that's a, that's a great question it's interesting that you seem to understand a lot of this space which which is great but the, the the short I
1: work, answer. I, I worked oh, at I worked at Sears twenty years ago and, and sold appliances and their crazy ass protection plans. So,
0: <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> no, that that's great. That's great. So, we basically most of our use cases are innovative, right? So, right. I think it, it's more likely that um, this use case. Your point. People have been been doing it for a while, but you know what we're seeing is like you know sometimes. Like the the sears, like you I they probably use a very simple pricing logic that doesn't take much into account other than the the price of the good. And they just say something like, ah, oh, it's, it's 10% of the price, or whatever is the logic that they use. Like what we're seeing that like what we can help innovate there is like, okay, suppose now the best buyers, in example, want to sell it online and Online, they're going to have a lot more information, right, that is beyond the price of the item. So can we help them use that information to price them more accurately so that, you know, they price less for the cases where the the risk is, you know, the, the price is too high because the risk is low. And then they can probably charge more, I suppose, you know, bicycles break a lot. I'm just making up here, but
1: right, yeah. then
0: they can charge, you know, the, the bicycles and the bicycles in California, whatever the factors, like more than they would do for the toasters. So, They can sell more protection for toasters and price the bicycle one uh, accordingly. So the the idea is like every insurance use case is changing, but the more mature it is, like say auto or home insurance, things like that, the higher the probability that the incumbents have already established a good competitive advantage that is harder to change versus like Airbnb or risks from home sharing, which is something that didn't fully exist like 15 years ago. Whereas Alto, the writers have been doing that for probably 80 years at this point.
1: Well, I do want to take a second to remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullskill.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullskill platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are available, are ready to join your team. Visit fullskill.io to learn more. Yeah, at full scale, we've worked with a couple of different um, local companies that do insurance, that um, you know, like Medi- Medicaid Part B, or like um, mm-hmm. some other kind of insurance platforms. And another customer that does like pet insurance. There's mm-hmm. it seems like there's a there's a lot of technology and innovation going on in the um, the insurance space.
0: There is there is even a, a name for this, which is called insure tech, right? Which is the intersection between insurance and technology. And now, if you go, there's a there's a conference called InsureTech Connect, in Las Vegas, and is now attended by tens of thousands of people. So definitely, InsureTech has grown to be a major part of the, uh, or at least growing part of the insurance industry. And the, the the incumbents, they they understand that, and they're all you know trying to do some uh, make investment and trying to change some of the ways they do. What we do think you will find exciting is that, and going back to to embedded insurance, this is a space where, say, Airbnb, Uber, or the, the tech platforms have a, a lot of advantages, right? In how they can do things, and they're creating something new that wasn't possible before their core business, before their marketplace even existed. So that's why we see it kind of and the, the pace in the insurance industry for innovation, it's getting faster. But in an embedded, it's very fast because then you can. You're working by the speed of the tech platforms and trying to match that with the speed of an insurance industry, but you, you can move faster.
1: So it sounds like most of what you guys do is is probably kind of more one off, like transaction or event based. Or do you guys also do like reoccurring insurance, like home insurance or car insurance, health insurance, any of that kind of stuff?
0: So we do. Um, I think you write that most of our um, use cases are typically like what, like there's shorter policies, right? We don't have, I'm trying to think here, anything that is necessarily auto or home or those are standard insurance. But we do have customers, uh, for example, one of our public customers is a company called Deal. Um, they help um, you know, startups hire contractors in, in different parts of the world. And they provide all, uh, all the infrastructure payments, the contracts, the, all the regulatory things, compliance around it. And for Dio, like you can as a company, you sign up for their plan, it's a subscription, so it's monthly. And we, we help Dio create what they call Dio premium. So the idea is that you pay extra for like a premium uh, tier service, and that comes with a um, protection, right? So if, if, if there's anything goes wrong on the contractor relationship, Dio will compensate you up to a certain. Uh, a certain amount for this classification risk for things like that but anyway way of saying like in that case it is an it's a recurring um policy right like the the the, com- the companies cover every month as long as they have the employee uh, sorry, the, the contractors still be paid uh to to the deal uh, platform
1: yeah i think it seems like insuretech is still really really far behind tech-wise tech compared to some other industries you know we I've had other people on the show and I mentioned at full scale we've done some work for some people that it seemed like for some of these things to get to figure out what the rates should be and to get things underwritten can still take like days like the decision making for certain types of insurance is still extremely slow it's not like fully automated is is that is that kind of what you see across a lot of the industry?
0: Um, yes, I think it, it depends on on the company. It depends on the type of insurance. But anyway, I think it it is um, it is uh, but true that the overall the innovation in, in in insurance finance broadly, but insurance, let's say, uh, even is lower than finance. Like the innovation pace has been slower than folks anticipated. And no, part of it is just now you can, uh, it's how the, the system works, how the system has been designed. So there's definitely a lot of opportunity for innovators in the space. Part of this is just that is now it's a highly regulated industry, right? So you can, um, you can move as fast as you want, but you know, depending on the types of insurance, your point, if you have to file rates at a certain state and wait for their, like three months for their approval. Yeah. There's so much you can do, right? So I think one of the kind um, of challenges that like all entrepreneurs that work in insurance face is like how can you find those pockets where you can innovate faster? Um, and uh, as you start, like insurance is such a large industry that there are definitely niches and places where innovation can be done faster, and that's where we see a lot of the. The innovation happening right so in, in places like you know like claims analytics uh in places like some of the underwriting and pricing technology in the like core softwares like those are those are places where you have like things happening faster let's say then you're trying to launch a new auto insurance because auto insurance is extremely regulated so every time you want to your point you you found a better way to price great you're going to have to comply with now regulations in 50 different states and how you can price this car insurance and then take months to get through the approval so yeah i think one of one of the name of the games here is trying to find like an angle and obviously still being compliant with regulations because the regulations are there for a good reason right one of the i'd say core mistakes that the entrepreneurs make in insurance is to assume that like regulations slow down for no good reason like No, it's absolutely right they are there because they are there to protect consumers and insurance is ultimately a promise, right? So if you don't have the guardrails in place to make sure that people will honor their promises, a lot of bad things can happen.
1: Well, so you mentioned earlier, I think you said that you guys provide your insurance platform for about 10 different verticals. So across all those different verticals, do some of them really pain in the neck in regards to compliance and regulation and all that stuff? And then some of them are just kind of wide open and and there's not a lot of compliance to deal with?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know how, how much we yeah, how much we want to get in the very deep of insurance, but I think in a, in a broad, very broad terms, there are two types of insurance lines right one is called admitted which is the say mainstream insurance auto home this kind of things where um it, they're very regulated like you have to get approval everywhere and things like that and they are more the and for every kind of more of the innovative types let's say the risks from airbnb right the, the home sharing risk of sharing you know, your your home with a with a stranger like those are typically places that is called surplus lines so, like those are Kind of they can they can run with less kind of let's call it oversight because they admitted market. So if you go to progressive, if you go to Geico and you want to get insurance for these kind of things, they will say no, like that doesn't fall under my kind of normal business. <laughs> so for that kind of use cases is less, there's less oversight. So you still know you have, you have know, the the basics are in place, but at least you can have some some streamlined innovation. And there are also like certain products for certain use cases, they can be structured as a known insurance product, right? So if you think about your, when you go to Avis and you say, I want to buy insurance, they are, what they're selling you is not insurance, it's a loss damage waiver, which um, has the same kind of frameworks and and and, and, and um, modus operandi as insurance, but it's effectively a different legal classification so it has different oversight so again i think that's one of the hard things of operating this in this uh in uh, in the insurance industry is to really understanding all of these nuances and complexities without getting paralyzed and
1: well that's uh, and and that's why i asked because i i'm thinking like man starting a new company in insurance insure tech like this it's like is, there, is it take 6, 12, 18, 24 months just to figure out like how do we even do this for a specific industry and go through all the regulation and all this versus like, you know, doing insurance for shipping sneakers seems like a pretty easy one compared to, you know, home, home insurance or car insurance yeah. and some other things. I just was that a huge hindrance, you know, for, for you guys when you first got started.
0: I think you, you summarize it well. So, some kind of those, those insurance or protections are a lot easier, right? So, if you're on on the hook for uh, shipment that, that it's going to take two days and the maximum loss, it's a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars. It's a much easier use case than if you're insuring some auto liability that potentially is some bill that will be paid for the lifetime of of somebody and cost millions of dollars. So, I think your intuition is absolutely right. So, that's one of the things I mentioned about. The, the ability of knowing the space and kind of being able to find those pockets for us because you know, we're connecting back to, to our background, right? We came from this kind of short-term sharing economy types of risk and our first customers were in this space which kind of checks all the boxes that we're talking about here. It's typically like a short, not too complex. We'll go back to the Porsche 911, right? Like even that being already a very high risk if you insure the physical damage of this is up to the value of the car, it's called $50,000. So it's not easy per se, but it's like it's a lot easier than millions of dollars of potential loss in, in other kinds of risk. So we were fortunate that we were part of this new world where not a lot of insurers or other companies understand and or want to play. And those are risks that are insurable. It's not They are not as hard as any other kind. And that's kind of we grew up from there.
1: So what what's the uh the future for Tent? What what are what are you guys focused on right now? Are you very much in looks like you raised raised a bunch of money earlier this year. Congrats on that. You guys very much in growth mode? Like what what's uh expanding the the products and the verticals, you know, what what are you guys focused on right now?
0: Yeah, we are definitely focused on on growing. So you 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 right that we raised our uh Series A earlier. Um this year, so we have runway for uh quite a bit of time now, but we're definitely hiring we're growing um we grew our team probably like five times since like you know last year um and we'll continue to grow more uh next year as well so we we're like and the, what we're what we're doing is like we're definitely expanding our product like going to more verticals, we're making it work better, right so there's like and as any startup, you have you know, the first round when things are working, but then you kind of you can keep going years just making that better and optimizing each of these states. So we're pr- primarily focused on the United States, so we'll continue to be um, there. I think one of the you know main challenges for not only for us, but I guess from I would imagine any other founder today is like knowing how fast you go, right because on one hand, you have the opportunity and then that probably drives you to go fat as fast as you can and increase burn and all those things like that. But on the other hand, you have the tough financing environment where you probably don't want to be in a place where you really need the money today. So we're really trying to navigate now day by day, seeing how the world is developing and kind of try to get this balance right.
1: Are you guys doing any hiring? Does everybody listening need to go, go check out your, your openings?
0: We are. So if you go to jobs.tint.ai, you can see all the positions they're opening, but we're opening a few more that we're going to start hiring for uh, early next year as well. So, I mean, yeah, we we absolutely are.
1: So what do you, what do you see as your guys' biggest challenges going forward? What, what do you see as the, the big challenge on the horizon for you guys?
0: The biggest challenge, I would say, again, going back to the insurance and the regulations, like... How can you scale? Um, there's definitely a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of like activity and tailwinds on the insurance, but to your point, as we get to the details, like how can you support more verticals? How can you scale? How can you find more underwriters? So our most of our challenges today, I'd say, are growth pains, like you now how can we do what we're doing better, faster, scale without you no know, having to Redesign everything that we did before. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's definitely, you know, because, no you know, Series A, you have early product market fit. You prove that it's a, like, you know, it's a big market and prove that there's something exciting there. But, you know, by Series B, right, you need to now show that you have no longer like a good product, but it's, you have a fully functioning company that is ready to go to higher scales. And that's definitely where we are in, in our journey.
1: Well, um, remind everybody that today's episode of The Startup Hustle was brought to you by FullScale.io. If you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers. At FullScale, we specialize in building a long-term team that works only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the on the on the show today. Um, one thing I like to do is um, as we round this out is do you have any, any other kind of final tips for other entrepreneurs out there? It could be about about anything about you know being a business owner and an entrepreneur.
0: My tip is something that we we, we luckily had, and I didn't know that was very important and, and, and looking back, I think it is is mission critical is like Having grit, um, I cannot stress how important it is for founders to have grit, and um, and if you can't figure out a way to just just keep going, regardless of what happened, and you know find a way to not like not not even like not run out of money, but keep finding creative ways that you can keep going, having the fire, keeping the, like you not know, the fire burning inside, you will find a way. Um and eventually you, know, you find kind of growth paths and then you kind of find the next chapter, unlock the next chapter of the story. Like it took us at least two years to find a good you know, traction to see things starting to to click. And we've been doing that for four years and a half. And we're far, far, far from being you now where we wanna we wanna be. But I think for us, like the main lesson so far was that like we could, and I think many others would have stopped um and we didn't and i think that's something that if you can you hear this startup advice all the time it's like Paul grahams like from y combinators like be a cockroach impossible to kill and it sounds like you know a a little bit too vague but it's incredibly true in the founder journey
1: yeah at some point in time you you just you've got to be very passionate about what you're doing and and it's that drive every day that, that gets you up every day and keeps, keeps fighting the fight. And, you know, it's a it's never-ending sense of, of problems. And one of, my, one of my favorite all-time quotes is from Mike Tyson. It's like, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And yeah. uh, it, it feels like as an entrepreneur, you know, you got to have grit because you just get punched in the face every week for some, some stupid reason that you don't see coming. So
0: Absolutely. And you get punched many times. And it's your point, if you're not passionate It's going to be hard to keep the fire going. So, you know, the related is pick something that you are passionate about, the cause you care that you really want to be solved, because that's kind of one of the ways you can keep the the grit and keep going.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Again, this was Mateus Riolfi from Tint, which is T-I-N-T dot Um, A-I. Check them out. And uh, well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank
0: you very much, Matt. I really appreciate our chat and thanks for having me.
1: All right, take care. Startup hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io,
0: helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
1: Like, we do it.